Well, it's time to get your Bibles and follow me as I read from it. I guess the only inerrant thing that you'll hear today is what I'm about to read you. It comes from Exodus chapter 12. It's the chapter that we've been using for several months now to prepare us for the Lord's table. So let me read a different portion, a very interesting and intriguing uh, section of chapter 12, in my opinion. It starts at verse 14, and um, we'll read through verse 20. Um, but as I read it, just try to recognize how many times the, uh, the text includes the word no leaven or unleavened. Here we go. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove all, you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first from the fourteenth day of the month at evening... You shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Did you, did you notice that? Did you notice how many times? I, I didn't count them, uh, probably eight or nine times, where the mention of don't, don't get around this leaven stuff. And so much so that the Passover has another name. It's found in verse 17 there. It's also known, a synonym for Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, guys, uh, Exodus 12 um, is is an account uh, of the establishment of the Passover. I, I think you know that in Israel, um, they're, they're, they've been brought out of Egypt, and this is one of the first things that happens. They establish this thing called the Passover, and as I've tried to to point out over these past few months, there is a direct correlation between the Passover, and this. If nothing else, ladies and gentlemen, it was at a Passover meal where Jesus established this, the Lord's Supper. What I'm trying to do is use Exodus chapter 12 to gain some insight into the work of Christ as is symbolized in this sacrament known as the Lord's Supper. Now, that said, um, Exodus 12 goes to extremes to to tell people how to get ready for this thing. Before the family could actually sit down at the table and eat the Passover meal, several things had to be done. 
in, in preparation for eating that meal. One of those things, of course, was the, um, was the blood from the lamb that needed to be painted on the doorpost. That done, another very significant piece of preparation had to do with the removal of leaven, of yeast, from, not simply from the meal, but from the entire house. One of the things that I hope you saw is the when the Bible repeats something that often, boy, the, 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 the Bible is making an emphasis. Get rid of all of that yeast, that leaven stuff. Get it out. And just to play it safe, this removal was to begin seven days before the meal, just in case, you know, some of it got overlooked in the first go-round. So very carefully, the Jewish homeowner was to look in every closet, every corner, every drawer, and sweep out every crumb of leavened bread. No leaven was to be eaten for seven days. And, not only that, no leaven was to be found anywhere in the house. Now, what was that all about? What, 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 what's going on here in, this, in these seven verses? Why the emphasis? First of all, let, let me tell you what leaven is. I, I think you probably know. I, I mean, um, but leaven was a was a portion of the prior day's batch of dough that remained unbaked, um, and it was fermented. It, it was added to to fresh dough to to introduce yeast into this new batch. I mean, guys, some of you who bake your own bread. Uh, I mean, we've done this around our house. I mean, um, but you, you have this thing in your refrigerator called the starter, you know, and so you have to you have to draw out of the starter to put it in this new batch so that you can you can. That's what this is, and that's supposed to go. That's supposed to get out of the house. Get out of the house. Now, that said, somewhere and somehow, and guys, I don't know how nor when nor where. But leaven became a symbol. It became a symbol for, for impurity, for corruption, for sin, uh, corruption that spread. Jesus used it like that. In the New Testament, remember, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Not only did Jesus, Paul used it like that as a symbol. He, he, he said, um, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, that's the idea here in Exodus chapter 12 was that all of these Jewish families was to put away, sweep out all of this impurity as they awaited this promised event that would ultimately set them free. You got that? 
Well, here's the point, I think. There's something that's expected. Listen. There's something that's expected of people who are shielded behind the blood of the Lamb. Those same people who are shielded behind this blood, there is an expectation that they clean out all this leaven or sin. Guys, when preaching the gospel, the, the gospel of justification by faith alone, that it can be tricky. Um, because it is always an error, a big error, to in some way add something, anything, to the finished work of Christ. To add obedience or baptism or holy living or <coughs> anything. Um, it is always error to make to add anything to the finished work of Christ and make that thing a part of the finished work of Christ. Um, as if I must indeed have Christ's finished work plus some kind of contribution from me. That's a distortion of the gospel. I hope you know that. However, there's another distortion of the gospel. It's also, ladies and gentlemen, a very horrible error when we are preaching the doctrines of justification by faith alone to preach it in such a way as to deny the absolute necessity of then living a holy life called sanctification. It is an error to preach the gospel in such a way so that people are left with the impression that if they come to Christ, I can live any way I want to live. That too is a distortion. You see, those two things, as, as you find here in this story, those two things are joined together, justification and sanctification. That is, resting behind the shed blood of the Lamb while cleaning out all of that leaven stuff. They are, they are to be never separated, but they're different. Um, guys, that's, that's the symbolism of this part of the story. Yes, you need to hide behind blood that's been painted on the doorpost, shed from a, from a lamb without blemish. And there must be a cleansing of the house of all the yeast. Those two things are always found together. 
let me see if I can make my point and then we'll meet at the table. All of our experiences are different, but if you came to know the Lord Jesus at at an adult age, I became a Christian when I was 22. Do you remember um, when you first became a Christian, that sweep of all of 11? I mean, all, all of that foolish trust in what a good person you were? All of the, uh, that, all those little crumbs of foolish talk about, oh, I'm okay, I, you know, I attend church and, and uh, my parents raised me right and I, I try to live a, a good life and, you know, and I've been baptized. You know, once you understood the gospel, all of that stuff, almost immediately, was gone. All of that talk about what a good person I am and how much I deserve to go to heaven, all of that left. And and it never has returned to to touch the lips of our soul. It is Christ alone apart from the works of the law. But do you also remember what else happened? How your life changed? Do you remember remember how your vocabulary changed? Some of those words that you used to use, mm, I don't use those anymore. <laughs> you remember, you remember that your your values, your priorities, your schedule, it, it changed. Your marriage changed. Your your you got a new set of friends. Your your business practices changed. No more did I lie to so I could get the sale. You know, we became we became more real. We became less arrogant. We became less of a hypocrite. We became less selfish. You remember that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that life reformation stuff, all of that, that holy living, that is to continue and expand for the rest of our lives as believers. Now stay with me. That is to continue for the rest of our lives, but... Not because that any of those good deeds earn a, a, a particle of favor from God. My good works don't make Him love me more and my bad ones don't make Him love me less. Our desire to live a holy life in no way makes me a child of God. But here's what it does do. All of the newness when I became a Christian, all of the changes, all of this ongoing battle with sin, they don't earn me anything. They don't, they don't make God love me or, or even make Him love me more. They have no merit to them. Okay? But here's what they are. They are simple expressions of a new heart. A heart that is now in love with Jesus Christ. And and in eagerness, we, we long to please this God who has gone to such extremes to save people as wicked as we are. This 
This newfound love of obedience, this newfound hatred of sin, doesn't earn me anything. But it is an evidence. It is an evidence that God has given to me a new heart. He has exchanged a heart that was as hard as a rock, that was in love with sin and self. And he's replaced it with a new one. And that new one is in love with Jesus Christ. And out of my love for him, my life has begun to change. As a Christian, I've discovered that I could never be saved by my works. But I've also realized that I could never be saved without them. Oh, my friends, I hope I haven't confused you. Salvation is gloriously, absolutely, totally free. It just costs you everything you got. So, we hide behind the shed blood of God's perfect Lamb. And because we do, all this leaven, that's got to go. You got that? Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us of the beauty of this gospel a gospel that is um, so rich and free, a gospel that is centered upon Christ and his finished work, and yet a gospel that because it has changed us from the inside out, there are all kinds of things on the outside that look different now as a result of belonging to Jesus Christ. Father, um, there's still a lot of, a lot of room for improvement But we recognize that the improvement doesn't make us your child. That's already been done. But because we're yours, we have a new interest. We have a new desire to live the rest of our lives saying thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. So, Father, as we meet around this table, would you remind us of all that Christ Jesus has done on our behalf? We ask it in Jesus' name.